everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Unwise Girls. I'm your host, Jacqueline. And I'm your other host, Jane. And we're your favorite hosts of your favorite pod. I, it's what? <laughs> How's this go again? I would hope we must... we're the favorite hosts. We haven't got a lot of competition. Who's, who's your favorite host of Unwise Girls that isn't me or Jane? Let us know in the Discord. Uh, Kiara was on one time. That's true. Uh... We're, we're your favorite podcast, all about the books of Rick Riordan. Uh, today we continue The Son of Neptune. Jane, it's been like years since we recorded this. <laughs> a million years. Maybe you, literally you, a million years. You died and then returned from the dead. Yeah, I'm like Christ a little bit. <laughs> People have been saying lately that I'm a bit like Christ. Uh-huh. You would never say that about yourself. But no. Other I, people are saying I, this about you. No, I would not describe myself this way. Other people have been saying that I am Christ-like, that I am divine. They're they're describing me this way, but I am not specifically like corroborating that. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. So, how are you doing today? Oh, you know, I'm I'm doing just fine. Uh, did I do anything interesting today that I could ramble about for like thirty seconds at the start of a podcast? The answer is no. And that's just fine. <laughs> uh, you know. <laughs> I am also doing all right. Uh, I'm my, my voice is I'm, my voice is completely back. I'm so yeah. normal, uh, and feeling feeling good. We also on our uh, we were on Hextra Life this weekend, and Fuck we yeah. hit uh, the donation goal to get a actual play of the game Sleepaway that we Hell are doing. Yes. Uh, so look forward to that in the future. Thank you to everyone who donated to that so that children in hospitals can have more money to not die. Thank you so much. Uh, and I think with that, do we have news this week at all? Uh, let me let me just quickly Google. Because there's always, there's always a really random Percy Jackson characters trending every week. Uh-huh. But I think Twitter is just showing me that because of the algorithm. I don't think that's because anything's happening with them. I think that's true. Uh, wait, do we, wait, we won't have talked about the new Percy Jackson book, will we? <laughs> Did we not? Because that happened while you were sick. Oh, there's a new Percy Jackson book coming out. <laughs> there's a new out, Percy everyone. Jackson book coming out. <laughs> uh, so this is... I've, I've put Jane on, like, notice that she can't look up anything about this. Yeah, I should probably actually close the news page. <laughs> but uh, this is being pitched as, like, Rick Riordan, in, I guess, part of his effort to sell the TV show, mm-hmm. was also like, and I'll write a sixth Percy Jackson and the Olympians book. So this the, is the seventh Percy Jackson and the something of something book. Uh-huh. Oh, wait, what's the seventh? What's the sixth? Uh, Percy Jackson and the Greek gods, which I think is just Percy Jackson telling Greek mythology stories in his, in his funny little way. Well, there's also Percy Jackson and like the Greek heroes or whatever. So there's two That's of the those. one I mean. That's the one I mean. There, there's two of them. So is there? And the, I guess, and there's all, well, yeah, there's the Greek gods one and the Greek heroes one. I think I was wrong and just said Greek gods instead of Greek heroes. Well, there's also Percy Jackson and the singer of Apollo. We're Percy Jackson experts. <laughs> That's right. Well, there's, okay. So there's Percy Jackson and the singer of Apollo, which I think took place after The Last Olympian. Which is about Apollo's SoundCloud rapping career. That's right. There's Percy Jackson's Greek Gods. And then after, I, I think, published after The Heroes of Olympus was Percy Jackson's Greek Heroes. Mm-hmm. So we're not reading any of those because, well, maybe we will eventually. But for now, we haven't. Oh. Uh 
but this is this is basically like what if we went back to the old formula it's it's a sixth book it's sort of a continuation of of that style of the Percy of the PJO style uh, rather mm-hmm. than like continuing on from your your heroes of Olympuses and your trials of Apollos uh, and it's going to be about it's supposed to be trying to get into college right yeah it's uh it's Percy trying to get into college and uh he has to like do quests for gods to give them so, so they can give him recommendation letters which i love that as a as a concept that's it's the fucking best i'm incredibly excited because i've i've been complaining especially in like heroes of olympus about like it doesn't feel very urban fantasy it feels like there's not often a crossover between urban and fantasy but like him having to do all this bullshit to get a university recommendation letter is that that's what i want it's wonderful uh and yeah i think that's i think that's mainly it so look forward to that when it comes out. I can't believe that we like we almost ended the new segment without mentioning that there was a new Percy Jackson book. Yeah. Well We're fucking great at this. We're really good podcasters. <laughs> Speaking of things that are really good. Not these chapters? Let's do the summaries. <laughs> Chapter forty five, Frank. Ready to follow in his mother's footsteps and die for the Western hegemony, Frank takes <laughs> Frank takes his firewood from Hazel and prepares to use it to melt Thanatos' chains as Percy and Hazel do the customary pre-fight taunting, with Percy set to defend Frank and Hazel ready to destroy Alcyonius, her own creation. Chapter 46, Frank. Frank thinks warm thoughts, setting his tinder on fire and beginning to melt Thanatos' icy chains. Meanwhile, Percy summoned a miniature hurricane to fight the ghostly Roman legion, and Hazel's going 1v1 with the giant. When the chains are finally melted, Frank's firewood is pretty small, but still there. Thanatos uh. is free, and Frank's still alive. Seeing that Hazel's about to be killed, Frank rushes into action, finally able to harness his abilities and transform into a bald eagle, allowing him to scratch at Alcyonius's eyes, and a bear, allowing him to just beat the absolute shit out of the guy. Then, while Percy distracts the ghostly army by sending himself and all of them off the side of the glacier, Hazel and Frank tie Alcyonius to Arion and drag him inland. Chapter 47, Frank. But before they actually do that, Thanatos flies down to imply to Hazel that Pluto still wants her to stay alive. He also says that the doors of death can only be located through questing, and their journey should begin in the original Rome, guided by some special sort of demigod. Finally, Hazel asks if Nico is still alive, but Thanatos only says that she'll get, find her answer in Rome before he flies off to go reap souls at Camp Jupiter. Then, they get to the actual giant dragging. Frank has Arian take them about 10 miles north, where they intend to kill Alcyonius for good. The giant scoffs at this until Frank reveals that, technically, they've crossed over into Canada, and so the Alaska immortality doesn't work here. Then, Frank turns into an elephant, knocks him over, and Hazel stabs him, so he dies. And then they kiss. Chapter 48, Frank. Arion takes Hazel and Frank back to Upper Glacier, where Percy's alive. Hooray! They gather up all the Imperial gold weapons and armor from the bottom of the bay and pile it onto a chariot, which they hitch onto Arion. Then, their journey back to Camp Jupiter begins. So, Jane, what'd you think of Hello. these chapters? Hi. Uh... Uh, I liked I like to shout out uh, Danny from our Discord server. Uh-huh. Uh, who often talks about how uh, Frank is her blobo, one of her favorite characters, uh, which is a frustrating experience because Rick oftentimes does Frank dirty. Uh, and after reading these chapters, I really sympathize. 
Yeah, I've really grown to love Frank as a character, and I have to say, <laughs> this fucking sucks. <laughs> I want to just... You go. No, go ahead. So these chapters are not the worst chapters of Percy Jackson that I have ever read, or like of, of Camp Half-Blood Chronicles or whatever that I've ever read, but they are kind of just limp and lame and they have like the finale of Frank's arc riding on them. Yeah. So they just they fall completely flat. Is my my general feeling on these. That's 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 exactly it. I don't see how you could ever write a character arc like Frank's and then decide this is how it's going to like be fulfilled. Mhm. It's so disappoint it's just so disappointing. I I don't get it. It's like it's it's simultaneously it's like the the respect the troops TM stuff that we're obviously gonna hate we take that as a as a given, but also the entire fight with Alcyonius is like it's the party ponies again right at the moment when it needs to have like a serious and threatening tone, it it whiffs it and goes for comedy bit instead. Yeah, I that's that's the thing. It goes for the comedy and. This should be a really cool... I actually think this is, like, a clever solution to the problem presented in the se- in the book. Kinda. I, vaguely clever. It's very... <laughs> it's another very convenient thing. Um, like, okay, so he decided to set up shop in the exact place that makes it easy to put him in Canada. Exactly. It relies on Alcyonius being a complete moron. That's true. I still think it's decent. I think the idea of, like... Okay, uh, I got spoiled a little bit for this, uh, oh. and I read. I like. I just read the line like at one point in some Wikipedia page. Like Frank drags Alcyonius across Alaska and into Canada to kill him, and I'm like, oh, that's fucking cool. That sounds uh, cool. It should be cool, but it's it's not. It's so bland. And Alcyonius goes out like a punk. Also, <laughs> this is like, the fucking. This is like the the literal specter of like hazel's traumatic past uh-huh like every bad thing that she thinks that she's ever done is built into this like one horrific monster that she like fucking was forced to birth by gaia and the fact that it goes out he goes out because he gets like whacked a few times and gets knocked out and then stabbed is it feels like it pisses on hazel's character as well it does. It's bad for everyone. It just doesn't it doesn't feel like it makes sense in the moment either. Like it's not like you read it and then afterwards you're like, "Huh, I don't know about that." Because what happens is like Frank transforms into a bear and <laughs> that gives him the strength to beat up a giant. Why? Which, like, I thought that I thought the giants were like the size of like buildings. They are, aren't they? Yeah, cuz like, hey fucking what the fuck is his name? Jason is having to like fly around just to hit them in the head. Not only that, but like Typhon was a giant. Let us not forget. That's true. I think Typhon and might be a, a lot bigger than these ones, though. He's bigger, but like that's still the same tier of thing. Uh huh. And the fact that I don't know why bear like transform into bear gives you like Superman strength all of a sudden. <laughs> I mean, I. I would say that we should maybe like ask someone who's been hit by a bear, but I imagine everyone who's been hit by a bear has died, so that maybe. I guess that's true. 
Like bears seem pop- pretty strong, but yeah, you're right. I don't think it's like in the, on the same level as a fucking giant. Just the fact that it's like, oh, he transforms into a bear and then is like punching dents into Alcyonius's metal body. Like, uh-huh. really? I okay. It just feels off. And you're completely right. This is bad for Hazel's character because a lot of this is like, it's it's it revolves around Alcyonius, who, like you said, is a manifestation of like her past. Arion, who exists as sort of like her future slash like her mm-hmm. freedom, all of those things. And Frank, who is like also a core part of her character, insofar as like some like a, like this connection. And uh, he's like her anchor to the present. Exactly. That's a really good way to put it. All of those things together should make for a great ending to Hazel's story. Um, or like <laughs> in this book, at least. But number one, it's not the ending to Hazel's story. That, Or like, at least it's not the ending to Hazel's like perspective. That was last mm-hmm. episode. And <laughs> this episode, we get Frank's thing. Frank's thing is the firewood. This this blows for so many reasons. It, yeah, God. Rick Rick really fucking said dolce et decorum est pro patria mori. <laughs> what does that mean again? That that it is it is good and courageous to die for one's country. I believe. Uh huh. Is the, the subject of a very famous anti-war poem by uh, Wilfred Owen. Right. Okay. I know you're really into poetry lately, so. Unfortunately, I am having to do poetry at the minute, <laughs> so I will flex it to sound smart on a podcast. No, it's working. Uh, yeah, <laughs> this. So what Frank does here is he channels his mom. He's ch- he's like channeling his his mom who stepped on a landmine because she wanted to find his deadbeat dad, and like he doesn't even fucking die he doesn't even get to fucking die and fulfill that which would also kind of he, he does it's not just that he doesn't die frank doesn't fucking sacrifice anything no he doesn't he is it's, as alive with like a nub of wood as he is with a fucking log it's the exact same thing we were talking about before like the one like the yeah the hp problem where like having one yeah, hp yeah. is exactly the same as having 100 hp and, until you <laughs> take the last hit it doesn't fucking matter that now his wood is smaller like he'll like, i still... guess i guess frank is fucked if he ends up in this exact same situation again but somehow i suspect he won't yes exactly <laughs> and Oh my god. Like, I'm not saying the story had to be, like... I'm not saying that Frank had to die for the story to be good. That's not right. But this is so absolutely, like, nothing. It's a nothing. Like, okay, there's no solution. The solution is that nothing happens. If... if It doesn't even have to be that Frank dies, you're right. If it was just, like, the wood represents his lifespan or something... And, like, everything he's been hearing all book about how, like, oh, you're going to be, like, you're going to burn real bright, but you're going to die very quickly. And he finds out that, at, like, at the end of the book, he has to inflict that on himself by, like, burning up this piece of wood so that he's only got, like, a few years left to live. Like, that that would, that means that he gets to keep going and keep having more stories, but he has given up something meaningful. That's that's a really good, yeah, I think that's a great, like, reframing of things. I almost feel like sometimes the book was edging toward that idea, but mm-hmm. never quite stepped into it. So yeah. it it transformed from, like, this is your lifespan to just this is your life. Uh-huh. And because of that, there is 
absolutely because okay yes the wood is objectively smaller like in the (laughs) sense of in the sense of like we are in the world and we are the characters yes it's technically more dangerous now it's more Mm -hmm. but that doesn't mean anything to like us the reader (laughs) yeah frank was already on his toes all the time like nervous about whether or not the wood was gonna burn up yeah you're right this doesn't change anything about his situation with that in fact it's almost objectively better because we just got the thing about hazel being able to hold on to it for him and it yeah at this point it seems like hazel is probably gonna stick around Mm mm-hmm because we get ties into like, oh, she's going to go to look for Nico uh, yeah. in Rome and stuff like that. Uh, I yeah. don't know. I, I, and also, I, I, mm-hmm. I feel like one of the things that really hurts this is that we don't actually know how Frank's mom died. Yeah. Which, like, I, I know that sounds like a kind of horrible voyeuristic thing to say on its face, but like, Frank alludes to it so vaguely. And it's always just like she she died for her country. She died saving her comrades. That like it doesn't feel as if there's any meaningful parallel between the actions that Frank is taking and the actions she took. Like it, you know, it would be fucking military propaganda, obviously. But if the thing was at least like, yeah, she jumped on a grenade to to save her unit or something, that would at least like have some thematic resonance with what Frank is doing here. And I don't know if it's maybe just like you can't say something that graphic in a kid's book or, but it's the way that like military services talked about is so abstracted for something that seems to be fixating now on like its value. Right. Because the parallel that Rick wants to draw here is with like, um, is with Frank as the soldier for mm-hmm. Rome and for Western civilization in that way. Christ. And, uh, so... <laughs> By the way, don't Google don't Google with quotes like soldier for Western civilization. You're going to find some unsavory people. Uh, <laughs> and so you want to root that in something real. You want to root that in like, like, yes, it'd be like, like you said, it would be propaganda, but we could have like, we, we should have her death detailed or like something like, obviously there's something to be said for alighting it. There's something to be said about the fact that Frank never goes into that detail. Like he probably knows how she died, but Mm -hmm. he, he doesn't ever talk. He doesn't ever think about it. And that does mean something that like is obviously because we know that Frank is still dealing with his trauma, Yeah, but also because yes, but because as we've said before, it still feels like it was a million years ago that this happened. Yeah. Like it doesn't quite, I don't quite buy frank is like avoiding thinking about it either because i th- I feel like if he was then his grandma would say something about that uh-huh. she is very direct and upfront, and i think she would be saying like why are you why are you being such a bitch about this you know she died heroically jumping on a grenade or something right and what ultimately again propaganda but uh-huh. ultimately there is something like gritty and hard and real to like you died in the military like you like that's something that can be drawn on for drama and intrigue and like various emotions and feelings and arcs it's, but, it's almost the same thing as like frank not actually having to sacrifice anything and the like this example of duty and sacrifice doesn't actually get into how fucking horrible it would be to have to jump on a grenade yes because that sounds like a pretty horrible way to die <laughs> Yes, and Frank doesn't 
Frank doesn't even lose anything through the burning of the wood. Like, he's nervous about it. He's like, uh, ah, this is scary. What I, like, he looks away for a second too long and is like, oops, it burned up a little bit more. And no, like, that's all right. I like that bit. I agree. I completely it. agree. That's, that's like one of the better parts of this, cha- of these chapters. Um, mm. But it doesn't come to, it doesn't come to anything. And that just makes me sad. I feel like we should say a nice thing about these chapters. I'm going to say, I'm going to say one nice thing. Uh, Frank does not turn into a dragon. Frank does not turn into a dragon. He turns we thought that into... was going to happen. We were dreading it, but it didn't. So that's good. He turns into a bear, which is cool. Uh, uh-huh. Apart apart from my complaints, he turns into <laughs> uh, an elephant, which is actually I like that quite a bit. I like that he turns into an elephant because we know that he took care of like uh, Hannibal. Like he was. Well, yeah, that was it, pay, one of the... it pays off that little connection. And he turns into a bald eagle, which I don't really get. Because it's the symbol of the West. It's the symbol of the United States. I guess, okay, the United the States West is the TM. West, though. You're right, you're right, I'm sorry. Canadian Frank has to turn into the bald eagle of America for Western civilization. Also, uh, I love the implication uh, that we get from this chapter, that um, Carter and Sadie, like, freaking out and, like, losing their shit over their vision being different and not being able to change back. Uh, skill issue. Frank masters <laughs> it immediately. <laughs> It's fucking hilarious. <laughs> God, you're right. That's amazing. Yeah, Frank doesn't. Well, Frank is the most gifted, talented boy in the world. Even though he That's also true. doesn't matter. Even though he doesn't matter uh, at all. <laughs> uh, even though it doesn't matter to the story at all that he exists. Apparently, because mm-hmm. they're. <laughs> uh, he's still just naturally get good at it, so it's fine. Hazel could have just brought his wood here and like phoned him and asked him to like set it on fire. That's really true. <laughs> he could have been living the good life somewhere else. <laughs> like, yes, Frank is important to the story, but when you eliminate we love those, Frank here. we love Frank. But when you eliminate those stakes, it makes him feel meaningless. Yes, correct. And oh, oh God! I, the nice thing I have to say about this, I guess, is like Thanatos continues to be kind of fun. I. Uh, He's just like weird and hashtag quirky. I like his like um he refuses to call the doors of death the doors of death. He only calls them the doors of me. I do like that. That that is a good bit. We also we also because of him tap into a rich vein of early 2010s humor that I do not miss at all. Uh-huh. Uh which is character who does a thing pulling out an iPad and saying, "Yeah, I use an app to do this." And that's oh. the joke. Oh yeah, oh believe it because Thanatos is on- this is like a, a He's got vision. Skype, he's got Hades on Skype Oh my god, I fucking hate that <laughs> I, No, it's it's not inherently bad but it is like it clashes, I guess, a little bit because like every time we see a character like pull out an iPhone or whatever there are, he's supposed to be sort of like removed from mortality in that way um, Yeah or at least it kind of felt like he was being presented like that because he was... Because he doesn't have, like, a modern American form. Exactly. And... But he does have an iPhone. So I guess that's... I guess whatever. Of course, now we know that Thanatos is uh, using that app to get, like, gig economy workers to staff his border security operation. Oh, Christ. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we get we get some setup here for the next book. Or presumably... Or, like, the rest of the series, I guess. I would guess so, yeah. Like, uh, 
they they haven't found the doors of death. This is actually this is um this is a a like a sea change, I guess, in how these books work. Because we're going to have an unfulfilled prophecy here. That's true. Like the doors of death were mentioned in this like like what the quest for this one was to go find the doors of death, right? Yeah, it was to close the doors of death. Uh rescue Thanatos and do that. So And they haven't finished the prophecy. Yeah, so that's that is interesting because that usually we usually get a, like at least a little wrap up on the smaller one. Obviously, the doors of death. Now I think about it, are also mentioned in the uh, in the great prophecy or whatever the prophecy of the seven. Yeah. Uh, so I I understand that, but it felt I guess I was like, oh yeah, of course they're gonna close the doors of death. I'm looking at the titles of the books on my shelf. I'm gonna guess that this comes up again in House of Hades. There's a good chance. So it could be like a two a two book wait on this being resolved. Yeah, very possibly. Uh, I also, and, uh, speaking of unresolved prophecies, uh, I call bullshit on this being like the resolution to a son of Neptune drowning. I because if it is, I hate it. <laughs> because who was the son of Neptune that drowned? None of them. Uh, so the 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 interpretation that they come up with is because Percy fell off a cliff and a bunch of monsters went with him and drowned. That the cutoff bit of the prophecy must have been like a son of Neptune will drown a bunch of monsters. Which is definitely how prophecies go. That's definitely how prophecies go. Also, like, Percy makes a big deal in this chapter about how, hey, I'm not the son of Neptune, I'm the son of Poseidon. Uh, so I don't... It, that It feels very strange that that would actually be how the prophecy goes. I still think Arion's gonna drown at some point. I agree. This this horse needs to go in the fucking ocean. I thought it would be in these chapters, to be honest. Mm-hmm. But I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Them finding all the Imperial gold that's actually kind of like a nice payoff for something that was a nice little just like easy setup and payoff like we discover mm-hmm. early on that they're just like oh we're out of golden weapons and armor and oh there's all the golden weapons and armor and stuff it's at the bottom of the bay of course it is that's where they went i'm glad that these chapters suck so much that we are like at the point where we're digging for compliments it's like yep basic storytelling is happening uh-huh <laughs> the I guess the ghost just died, huh? Yeah, Thanatos just says, like, oh yeah, Percy, if you kill them now, because I'm free, they'll just die. And I guess he did kill them. He did do that. While while doing his little Ninjago spin. Sorry, talk. <laughs> is, that a, is that a thing? It is, because it says he turns into, like, a little hurricane while he's while he's fighting. Uh-huh. Like, I, I know that those little fucking Ninjago things, you put them in a little, like, Lego Beyblade and spin them around to make him fight. That's pretty cool. <laughs> I want to build like a Lego Beyblade. Let's do that. And then we can send it across the ocean to fight. Spin them out. Get two ice ones, and they'll like spin out and meet in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. Hell yes. <laughs> uh, God, yeah. The chapters were each like none of them. There wasn't like a meaty one among them either. Yeah, they're like, very short, which is also lame. Yeah, they're they're short. They're not contentless. But, like. <laughs> I'm not particularly content with how they go either. And, oh, hey, uh, wahoo! Uh, be here all week, folks. And <laughs> oh man, yeah, I don't know. This Hazel should have Hazel should have gotten more with like she should have. This should have been more focused on her. Been a better resolution for her character. 
And, you know, then they kiss. Hooray. Ah. Oh, sure. Here's another weird complaint I have that okay. kind of it kind of feels like this is already breaking the rules of the series established. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I know exactly what you're about to say. Was this really a god and demigod working together to kill Alcyonius? Absolutely not. Because I can already hear the explanation, like, oh, Ares helped Frank by, by, something. Because Ares he, name he gave com- him his gift of tactics. But. That's not how that works, is it? Yeah, that that's bullshit. Like, the way that this worked in the last book was that Jason had to directly ask Zeus, hey, could you, like, throw a lightning bolt at this fucker and kill him? Like, that, <laughs> there, there is a world of difference between that and this. Now, we can talk levels of indirectness. Obviously, that is still indirect, but, like, Zeus didn't have to come down and punch, punch the guy in the face. I, but... I feel like that is pretty direct, because I feel like... I feel like my mental image of how that went is that Zeus is literally sitting on a cloud and, like, aiming the master bolt at this fucking guy. Yes, I think so. <laughs> but it's, like, it's it doesn't have to be as direct as, like, punches in the face is, like, I guess mm-hmm. what I mean. Like, they don't have uh. to be literally standing side by side. But it feels so weak to be, like, the thing. It's not even, like, Ares shoots a gun from really far off or something like that. And, like, the bullet flies at him from a million miles away. Or, oh, like... Fuck. Uh-huh. I just realized what it should have been. What? He should have used Grey. Because Grey oh. was a gift from Ares. A more tangible of... gift from Ares than tactics. Yeah, and not wasted the charge off screen during a fucking train attack. Like, this would have been an actual payoff for that thing. Yeah, and that could have tied into, like, the like suspense around Grey actually doing mm-hmm. something. Ah. <laughs> uh. This is this is a, this is a fucking rough one. <laughs> I between Hazel not getting a character arc finished off in her chapters and uh, gestures vaguely at everything, it feels like the ending of this is being kind of rushed. It does, which is weird because this book is long as hell. I don't know. I feel like that makes sense because this book is long as hell. I wonder if Hyperion had a gun to the back of Rick's head and he was approaching a deadline. <laughs> Maybe so. Yeah. This is. Is this why Rick writes shorter books from that, from like after, like soon? Yeah, it might be. What what book was he writing? Was this was this the Throne of Fire? Yeah, and the the narrative I've the, I've listened to a couple of other podcasts talk about like Throne of Fire, uh, and the narrative that I hear getting thrown around some of the time is um, that like Throne of Fire was kind of like sacrifice so that Son of Neptune could be good. Uh-huh. Like he put a lot of time into Son of Neptune and not into Throne of Fire. And to be fair, this is a better book than Throne of Fire. Mm. Yeah, you're probably Ooh. right. No, you're, you're probably right. <laughs> the fact that you even hesitated to agree, though, I think says something. I barely remember what happens in Throne of Fire, to be honest. So I'm sure that I'm, you're probably right. Uh, that's, that's the one where Tal-Rat's they're in... in that one, I think. They've got the, the hippo titties. Oh, yeah, the hippo titties. Yeah, that's a good book, then, I guess. <laughs> god that book was not bad but this i feel like that book didn't disappoint me as badly as this book does i guess is what i'll say because we weren't expecting a lot from it that's true that's true man yeah this that is what i have to say about uh, we're we're fast approaching the end of sun and neptune next episode will be our final episode on it yeah Uh, and it's like we've been doing this book forever it does and i just i'm disappointed in it is what i will say 
It could pull it back. Maybe the Percy chapters will be fucking spectacular. They easily could be. I read the first line. I thought it was pretty good. I mm-hmm. Same. And, like, I guess that's not a lot. But, like, I, I think the Percy, Jackson, the Percy Jackson chapters, to use his full Christian name, are strong. <laughs> and, uh, like, therefore, that could make it easier to stick the landing. We're not going to get the extended ending Camp Jupiter sequence that I know we were kind of hoping for. We're Yeah, definitely not, I don't think. We're not, it seems, worst case scenario to me is that they get there and it's a big battle and then it's over because the big battles in this have not done a lot for me. Yeah, I agree. I, yeah, the, the best battle in the series is like the Battle of Manhattan, but that's because that's like broken up across a bunch of different fronts and has like mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of dynamism and movement to it that you can't really do in just four chapters. Yeah, but I, I would even say just in this book, it's been Oh, like, I see, I see. It's been fairly like there have been I'm like I'm I'm reading back, I'm trying to find any like memorable, interesting fight scenes, and I just don't think there have been any. I think the best one is the opening one with Percy and the two Gorgons on that hill, right? It's that and it's the it's the um training, the fucking like competition thing at mm-hmm. camp. The for the Fortnite bit, I think. <laughs> Fuck, I forgot about the Fortnite tower. <laughs> We spent hey. we spent like sixteen chapters in the in the Camp Jupiter, and that that's like kind of a lot. And yet we spent this entire book complaining that we didn't get more. Yeah, Alcyonius says something real fucking weird. What's that? He says that the world is in almost as bad shape as it was during World War Two. Oh yeah, which is, I don't know. That's I could see someone writing that line like in square brackets current circumstances. But for someone as lib-brained as Rick Ryden in 2011, that feels like a really weird thing to say. That's true. Like, 2011 is, like, Obama era. People were all like, yeah, hope. Uh, I... yeah, if, you're, if you're a middle-class liberal in 2011, you think the world's pretty stable? Probably. I'm trying to think of what was going on in 2011. There... Yeah, I. It's, that's interesting. That's really interesting. I'm going to look up 2011 world events right now. Mm-hmm. The only major thing I can think of is Osama bin Laden dying. Rick Ryden really liked Osama bin Laden. <laughs> <laughs> Every week we stray further from our chances of ever getting him on this fucking podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know. <laughs> Beginning of the Syrian civil war. Uh, I guess that might have been it. Uh, Osama bin Laden dies. Uh, uh, Apophis started a revolution in Egypt. Uh huh. I'm never um, gonna let that go. Uh, Oprah Winfrey. Oh, Oprah Winfrey aired her last episode. That must be it. Oprah ended. Yeah, Oprah ended in like the Oprah Winfrey show ended in like May 25th, 2011. Apparently. I have only ever known about Oprah as, like, a cultural reference that I don't get. I assume that that was one of those things that just kind of goes on forever, like the fucking Jeremy Kyle show or something. I kind of assumed that she was also existing (laughs) still, but I guess not. Let me see. She was awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom by Barack Obama in 2013. Uh, Huh. Maybe Rick actually... Was it sitting in 2011 and foresaw the multiple major crises of capital that have led to our uh, current shitty circumstances? Maybe Rick is a hardcore <laughs> materialist and we don't realize. 
He's so old is coming. Yeah. Occupy Wall Street movement begins. Maybe he didn't like that very much. I can see it. Uh, Oh, God. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. That's that that is interesting to me, though. I wonder what it was that had him so like or maybe like is this supposed to be like of the villains think the world is bad, but actually the world is good type thing. But then that would mean that, like, they thought that World War II was good. So, like, making the comparison that, like, things are just as bad now as they were then would be weird. Yeah. Yeah, that's... That is weird. That is very weird. Revealing that, like, World War Two is even more entrenched than the lore of the series than we previously realized is a whole lot. I just... I because... th- how many times do we have to teach you this lesson, old man? <laughs> <laughs> because now we know that fucking we know that Gaia's big plan used to be that she was going to bring back the giants during World War II to really spice things up. <laughs> because apparently everything every fucking oh god, it was apparently that was just everything in the world going on then wasn't enough. I just think it's so funny that like as Percy Jackson the Olympians went went along it really felt like he was pulling back on some of the more whack elements of the law. Uh-huh. And, like, Son of Neptune has doubled down on every single thing that we didn't like. It's so weird. I remember this being, like, my favorite book. But <laughs> maybe I just oh, really no. like... Maybe I just really like the cover. Because the cover is really Maybe you good. really love the ending. Maybe the ending is great. We c- it could be. Maybe. We're not... Let's not post-mortem this. I think we're probably running out of things to say, which is why we're starting to post-mortem it. This but... is what kept happening with Kane Chronicles. Yeah, except we started to do that in, like, episode two of of Throne of Fire or whatever. Yeah, that's true. It's also funny how, like, this book having such a fast timeline, having that deadline again, um, mm-hmm. kind of makes some things less effective. Like, when Ia was like, I'm going to fight Otrera every night until you defeat the giants and bring back Thanatos or whatever. Um, that sounded really cool, but it was actually <laughs> just, like, she only had to fight her twice. Has that only happened to- oh, fucking hell. Yeah, it's been two nights, I believe. The timeline in this book has been truly fucked. Yeah. It it feels like every single chapter is like, yep, tomorrow morning, Feast of Fortuna. Basically, I I just- we were hitting on the strum, dispense with the fucking deadlines. And it doesn't feel like that's going to happen at this point, though. That seems to be just like an an entrenched part of the formula that we're not going to get rid of. Yeah. I I really wish that Alcyonius had a bit of like inter- internal conflict or like any kind of deeper characterization. Uh-huh. Cuz I feel like I feel like there is a way to make the absolutely unnecessary L that he takes at least a little more understandable if you do that. Right. Cuz he cuz his entire deal is he can't die if he's in Alaska. And the thing he chose to do was, like, set up shop 10 miles away from the border. And, like, I don't know, if you're Alcyonius, why do you not just go to the middle of Alaska, like, as as equidistant from as many points of the border as possible, and set up shop there? And, like, if he had a little bit of dimensionality, we could explore maybe, like, I don't know, maybe he's, like, my immortality is a prison. I can never leave Alaska, and it fucking sucks. So he's been, like, slowly moving his base closer and closer to the border maybe without even realizing he's been doing it but there's nothing in the text to support a reading like that yes there's no 
there's no there's no evidence of that there's nothing Alcyonis doesn't have much of a character like even mm-hmm. the guy the the giant who was like introduced at the end of the last book who was like I'm the big giant like he didn't there was more to him than there is to Alcyonius I feel like uh and... yeah at least fucking the the dude who um kidnapped Piper's dad at least he was like cunning you know y- yes exactly Alcyonius is just kind of a big boasty <laughs> villain and we have a lot of big boasty villains and I, I really think, I, yeah, we, it kind of just makes it feel like Gaia has like, is like really bad at making plans or like bad at world geography or something, <laughs> which is weird for the earth. She is the be. world. Yes. Very weird. It's also, actually come to think of it, it's extremely strange that like the forces of nature and like the destruction of civilization give a shit about national borders yeah yeah like i i get i get the concept of like you know this is like where the influence of the greek gods ends but it's weird that it's not more porous than that right why does gaia care about borders because we know that she doesn't like borders and thanatos does like borders (laughs) so shouldn't like why Shouldn't it be like by ecosystem or something? Like they go into a different. Like I guess maybe it's a different. It's like, it's like a different mine. If you go to a different Minecraft biome, you die. Right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but I, God, I don't know. Fucking weird. Fucking weird book. Maybe because the the Greek gods are right about everything, and therefore borders are just kind of like an unimpeachable fact of the world. I guess they might be. Maybe. Yeah, Jane, maybe we just haven't thought about enough. Maybe borders are real, they're important, and we need to protect them. We need to protect borders. Don't clip that. <laughs> I feel like Alcyonius has had 20 years to just chill out in Alaska, and he's been doing fuck all. I feel like he should have like worked on some kind of political sabotage and, like try to expand Alaska so it's like the entire North American continent. <laughs> That'd be really good. Because <laughs> like if, if, if the borders back... are what counts, then it, then, yeah. Legitimately. <laughs> like, he should have he should have bought, okay, he should have It's all Alaska, always has been. He should have hollowed out, like, um, <laughs> a company. He should have hollowed out a company, and uh. he should have, like, puppeted them, and done the sort of, like, uh, done this sort of like long term scheme. He would eventually be defeated by this guy, uh, something Jackson. And uh, <laughs> God, <laughs> read fucking read read Trace Navarre. It's good. It would it would improve everything about this ending if he said curses foiled by a Jackson once again as he dies. Hmm. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, Alcyonius has no goals or plans and is once again just like a like below a video game boss like not even cool enough to be that he's the biggest wet fart of an antagonist we've had since like maybe polyphemus he's just like polyphemus is the thing (laughs) like not not in the joke bit like he's just like bartway he is exactly like polyphemus Mm -hmm. this this feels like it's the fucking sea of monsters of of like (laughs) heroes of olympus already which makes sense this is why all the sea of monsters lore was coming back because this is it's the second book that's kind of shittier than the first one yeah which is i i think early on we were really high on this book too we were 
Which makes this... Oh, God. I don't know. Do we have much else to say about this? Uh, oh, the, fin- the final thing that these chapters do that shits on Frank's character arc uh, is that the, like, the side effect of Alcyonius being such a fucking bitch and so easy to take out uh, is that it makes it, it makes it impossible for it to be like a punch the air moment when Frank masters his powers. Because like, yeah. who cares? You could have taken this guy with one hand tied behind your back. It would have been cooler if he'd like been fighting the Griffins or whatever. Like, I'll, I don't know. <laughs> I don't fucking know. This does just feel like the last random encounter. Yeah. As opposed to like a, a proper, properly thought out ending. Like, Rick's world- just behind his fucking DM screen rolling his little dice. No, it really is the world's shittiest encounter. Like the world's <laughs> shittiest campaign. Like, okay, Percy comes in as like a level tw- like a level ten character, so mm-hmm. they give him amnesia to make to like nerf him a bit. But and then <laughs> also we take have away his invulnerability. Also that Christ. Oh my god. God. We we've come up a little bit short on these chapters, but that's also because these chapters come up short. They came up short on us. It's their fault. <laughs> I think that's all I have to say for them today. I just If you have complaints about the length of this episode, please forward them to Rick Ryden. <laughs> uh, maybe next time next time we're finishing the book, folks. After that we'll be doing uh fuck, what's it called? D- um Mark of Athena? No. The Demigod Diaries. Oh shit, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, wait, that, it, that... Yes, the Demigod Diaries is next up. Yeah, Demigod Files is the last one, I think. That's right. I think originally the reason we said that we weren't going to do the Demigod Diaries um, was that we were really excited about returning to Percy's POV in, like, the main story instead of, like, doing it in a side book. And, uh... Yeah. Percy falls off a fucking cliff and he comes out the best in these chapters. No, he's just doing epic shit while everyone else is just off, off like, he's just being cool and summoning a hurricane and fighting a legion of ghosts. God, yeah. He gets to make his little quips, he gets to do the Percy Jackson thing, and it's not enough to save these chapters, it's not enough to save these chapters. It's really not. I, I think that'll do it for us today, folks. Uh, I think so. Our intro and outro is Super Mario Ocean by Space Pony. You can find that at OC Remix. Uh, our cover art is by Vera at Innsmouth underscore in on Twitter. We are hosted by the Moonshot Podcast Network. You can find them at Moonshot Pods on Twitter. We just recently completed the Hexter Life stream, raised $5,200 or so for charity. Yeah. Uh, we're opening, if you're if you're a potential podcast person. Or already a podcast person. And you uh, are interested in like joining a network or whatever getting then uh look forward to black friday next month uh because we are opening up pitches again fuck yeah send in weird cool and creative podcast ideas do it also you can find us on twitter at unwise girls there we have links to our discord server which you should definitely join everyone should join it and we can hang out and have fun and talk (laughs) about these fucking books uh we you have links to our personal twitters our patreon our email etc etc we have we have visual companions when they're needed everything like mm-hmm. that updates when, when episodes go live you know how it works it's it's a podcast twitter 
Exactly. If you want to support us, you can go to your podcast app of choice, leave a five-star rating review, you can tell your friends about it, or you can go to patreon.com slash girls, where for a dollar a month, you get the Discord role of Camp Counselor. For $3 a month, you get the Discord role of Friend of Bacchus, as well as all of our bonus content. Uh, last week, we uh, talked about how the fact that anime is like weirdly good at a minute. Uh, anime is good. Did you all hear about this? I, I haven't heard about it, but now that I'm interested, I want to go listen to it on the Patreon for $3. <laughs> uh, and for $5 a month, you get the Discord role of Venus's Chosen, all of our bonus content, and a thank you at the end of episodes. Speaking of which, this week, we'd like to thank Danny, Tanner, uh, Mercy, Veronica, Friend, Bree, and Erica. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. And... We're actually going to rework uh, some of our Patreon goals right now. Some of them have become become irrelevant. Some of them have become, uh, you know, so we're gonna we're gonna think of interesting, cool new things when we get to certain Patreon support levels. Hmm. Actually, if you if you are on if you do join our Patreon, you're able to listen to. Should I talk about Supernatural? Yeah, do it. Uh, you'll be able to listen to uh, what we posted last week, which was the pilot episode of a limited run podcast series we were thinking of doing called Supernatural where we go through every season of Supernatural and try and figure out what the plot is just through the IMDb summaries. Uh, And if we hit uh, $50 per month on Patreon, uh, we'll do the full series. That's exactly right. Uh, The the pilot episode is covering the entirety of Firefly. Uh, It's fucking hilarious. I think it's one of the best episodes we've ever done of anything. (laughs) Uh, And as we always say, at the end of every single episode see you next week camp half blood see you next week camp half blood bye bye Nicole was your typical hopeless romantic, moonlighting as a fanfiction writer. Claudia was a hard-headed activist with a YouTube channel and the mysterious past. When Nicole hit a deep funk in her writing, Claudia suggests one of her hidden passions, romance novels. Now the two have fallen into a world of endless handsome hunks, doe-eyed damsels, and lascivious lovers. It is now their sacred duty to rank these novels on three criteria. Their steaminess. I had to fan myself off. Their dreaminess. She's not missing anything without him, but he makes her life better. And their meaniness. Cal wouldn't be in some small town pie eating contest. That's not why he left me. <laughs> Join our heroines every other week as they overcome unhealthy relationship archetypes, thesaurus abusing authors, and anatomical inaccuracies to prove that love can conquer all on the Three Little Words Podcast, only on the Moonshot Network.